What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about the new 2024 commit to the Michigan State Spartans, power forward Jesse McCullough. Uh, before we begin, just want to make a quick reminder for you that if you've not yet subscribed to the show, please be sure you do so on your podcast player. Also, you can leave a written review for the show. It's super helpful for other Spartan fans to find our show. If you leave a five-star written review, please take a screenshot of it. Send it to me at eric at tffinots.com. I, you can get you a $5 gift certificate for nudge printing and so you can get some cool spartan paraphernalia uh so let's talk about the new commitment this is the second commitment to the michigan state class uh, jesse mccullough will join kurt tang who committed uh two weeks ago or so i think yep um uh mccullough is a power forward four star uh top 100 recruit he's the number 11th ranked center this is all via um uh, on three uh he's number one player in ohio six foot nine over seven foot wingspan hailing from lutheran east and um, I guess this is one that we sort of knew was going to happen. We you suspected it when we last talked about Kurtang that he would be that McCullough would be the second piece of the pie. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this means for Michigan State? Well, it's another it's another good get, and and seemingly a guy that fits the mold that uh, that Tom Ezzo has established for his program, both in terms of his skill set and kind of where he he seems to fit personality wise and the re we'll start with the latter part first the reason i say that is you've seen interviews out there not just today but in previous weeks where he's not just uh jesse himself but his family has talked about uh the aspects of michigan state's program that they gravitated to that you know we hear this over and over from recruits the family atmosphere yeah um also that players are held accountable that you know you're going to be coached hard but they know that coming and they also know that is cares you know seth davis just did a great piece today you know as a side note to this discussion uh in today's athletic and if you're um if you're a subscriber and you haven't seen it i i strongly urge you to check it out uh because it was great it laid all of this stuff out he had he had quotes from both Malik Hall and um, and Tyson Walker and also Xavier Booker, all things we've heard said before, but it it relates to this recruitment in, in some ways, too, that they all talked about. Well, the two guys who've been in the program talked about how Tyson talked about how it took him a while to adjust to the intensity. But once mm-hmm. he did. You know, they got he got on the same page. And I've heard Izzo say this spring that Tyson is dialed in to where Izzo wants him at in a fantastic level right now. And that usually happens with upperclassmen point guards at Michigan State. Yeah. You know, it's not not uncommon. Um, Malik Hall said something about how Izzo was constantly checking in with him about his health and and what was unsaid, but I think was obviously implied is it wasn't just, you know, Hey, are you good to go tomorrow? It was deeper. It was (laughs) deeper than that. And he said something about how, you know, it may come in strange ways, but he definitely lets you know how much he cares about you as a person. And then Xavier Booker was quoted something we've seen from him and his parents and his, his AAU coaches, a lot of people around him, about how Xavier said, look, the reason I picked Michigan State is I want to be coached hard. 
So all of those themes seem to resonate in Jesse McCullough's recruitment too. So I think he checked all those, you know, our kind of guy boxes that Michigan state has right Uh, on the court. He's very much a fit for the kind of player. And look, Michigan state is not unique in the sense that everybody wants longer guys who have the ability (laughs) to shoot, you know, that's a very common, but Michigan state has prioritized those kind of players, maybe a little bit longer than some other people have, particularly the shooting part. Um, They've always, you know, going back to AJ Granger is, you know, the very beginning of Izzo's tenure, he's wanted those kinds of players in his program. That's part of his, what he wants his offense to do has always asked big men, at least one of them to be capable of stretching the floor. And so McCullough absolutely fits that mold. Um, he's six, nine, as you said, he's got a seven foot plus Wayne span. So that suggests that he may be able to provide some rim protection, which is good. I'm, I'm not expecting Jaron Jackson, but I think he, <laughs> I think he can be effective there. Uh, offensively, you know, what you hear about him and I'll candidly admit, I have not seen him play live yet. Um, but what you hear about him is definitely that he is the stretch element. He's considered to be a very good shooter. And if you look at clips that are available on YouTube, um, you will find that you will find shots of Jesse McCullough hitting threes and hitting jumpers. So that's real. Uh, but he also, he isn't just purely a stretch guy. Like there's the potential to do some damage in the post. Now he's got to get as is often the case with bigs at this age, he's got to get stronger. You know, he's six, yeah, nine, right. he's maybe about two ish. So we're, we're, we're talking about a guy who might be marginally stronger, bigger than uh, Xavier Booker, but not by a lot. So mm-hmm. there's going to have to be physical development, particularly in terms of what he may be able to do on the interior and, you know, defensively, how he can hang in there, et cetera. If you look at things positionally, my inclination is that just as with Xavier Booker, I think Jesse McCullough primarily has been recruited to play the four, but we are in this era where, you know, sometimes you have to go with a small ball lineup. Sometimes it's because you want to take advantage of a mismatch. Sometimes it's because you've got to match up to what an opponent is doing. So, you know, and we've talked about Booker pretty much exclusively as a four, because that's where I think he'll primarily help. But is there the possibility that Booker could play some small ball five this year? Yeah. I mean, I guess I can't rule that out. Uh, So by the same token, is there the possibility that when Jesse McCullough gets here, that he could play some small ball five? Yeah, I guess there is. You have to always keep that stuff in mind. But I think primarily you're not looking at a guy that they're law. You know, when I look at somebody like Flory Bedinga in this class, that's a five man. Pretty clearly. (laughs) That's a question. Yeah. McCullough. I don't think he's, I certainly don't think he's exclusively a five and I would tend to lean more toward them using him as a four, but really we, it could end up that we're just splitting hairs here. Um, other points of note with him, he won a state championship, a state championship this year in Ohio playing for Lutheran East in Cleveland or Cleveland area. He's the first Cleveland area recruit that Michigan state has landed. I believe since Delvon Rowe. So it's been a while, but Cleveland, you know, Cleveland as a city doesn't necessarily produce as much talent as perhaps it once did. Um, it's not like there are just, you know, big 10 high level, big 10 players coming out of that city every year, but nevertheless, it's been a while. I mean, believe it or not, it's 16 years between those classes, which boy, you want to start feeling old. Think about that. Because it doesn't seem yeah, that doesn't long mean. ago for Delvon Rowe, but he's <laughs> class of 2008. He was in the same class with Draymond Green and uh, uh, Corey Lucius. And it's a long time oh. ago. Um, but uh, so the first one from that area since Delvon, Jesse McCullough. And in AAU, if any of our listeners are in cities where some of these big um, 
EYBL events or, or tournaments later in the spring, summer are happening. Uh, Jesse McCullough is playing for uh, um, Indy, Indy Heat, Spice Indy Heat, which is one of the, you know, longstanding cornerstone programs of uh, the Nike wing of AAU basketball. And it's a high profile team. A lot of talents come through there. I said, he's the first guy uh, from Cleveland in a while to come to Michigan state, but he's certainly not the first guy to come from space Indy heat. I'm trying to think the last one, I think I may be missing somebody, but I think the last one was Marcus Bingham who was a year after Jaron Jackson. So MSU definitely has a relationship. Uh, Xavier Tillman played for them as well, his last okay. year in AAU. So there have been a lot of Michigan State guys that have gone through the Spice and the Heat program. Um, so not unusual that he's there. Uh, also worth noting that a couple of 2025 guys that Michigan State is recruiting, um, the Harrelson kid, who's a 6'7", point guard top 10 player in his class nationally and then a 6-8 forward Trent Sizely uh both of whom are from the state of Indiana are playing up on that same team that same 17 under team so um plenty of Michigan State fan interest uh in watching Spice Indy Heat this year yeah so a couple of things you know I think about it it's with the nature of the sport now, especially with roster, we just had you know a couple of shows. We talked about just the roster change in the uh-huh. Big Ten, and you know the I, I got to imagine from a coach's standpoint, it's very difficult to try and project in the future. I mean, even yeah. the next year is hard enough, and especially two years from now, you can easily say, "Well, there's not going to be a spot for so so and so," but there could be, or there might not be, right? I mean, right, and and uh, I also think you know you look at Joey Hauser. I think is interesting. Because I'm sure when he was recruited, he was never envisioned to be playing the five. And yet no, he played the five no. a decent amount last, you know, the previous year. He'd play not, you know, not sparingly sometimes, you know, before um, when Bingham and uh, Marble were there. So I, and that's why you see a player like this and you think, well, you could definitely see the versatility is helpful that you can, that he could play the four and then probably, you know, spot time at this five if needed. Do, do you have a feel for his game? Because I feel like as, as, yeah, with Mark, with um, Bingham, you know, he was not a guy who really could do anything inside much. He had really very little post game. Do you think, do you get the feel impression that he has more of that to his game than, than Marcus did? I'm under the impression he has more. And if you look at his clips, you see some evidence of it. Now, does he have to get stronger in order to really max that out? Oh yeah. But, but yeah. Marcus Bingham was a guy who was really just, pretty much exclusively a face-up player really until his yeah. senior year at Michigan state. I mean, it took him that yeah. long to really develop uh, a semblance of a post game, you know, but you have to be careful with that stuff because um, you never can tell. I mean, that was the same knock on Jaron Jackson. And yet when Jaron Jackson got to East Lansing over just that one off season, he put on a lot of good weight. And while he wasn't, a low post destroyer. He still isn't. He definitely had a lot more in the post than I think people had imagined when he was, when he signed. Um, so you never can tell for sure. And I mean, Xavier Booker's another guy. People think of him pretty much exclusively as a face-up guy. And maybe that's how he'll end up playing as a freshman, but I don't try to write that chapter just yet because things, including time has to play out. And yeah, he has so, a whole year left right. before he comes well, to campus. Well, this kid does. Yeah, has a whole other year. I, I was talking about yeah. Booker, though. Booker's oh, got yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. off season, you know. Mm-hmm. But but in in Jesse McCullough's case, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're we're talking, you know, 13, 14 months before he ever shows up on campus, and about four or five months longer than that till he plays a game. So a lot can change. But yeah, to answer your question. That's, uh, that's what I was saying at the outset. I think he does have more inside-outside potential, but how much of that gets realized at Michigan State is depending upon a lot to do with development. Sure. And, and you know, in some respects, I suppose, the role that is needed on the team at that 
for that season or the seasons that he's that playing. That too, right. Like, how he's, yeah. right, how he's playing and, you know, who he's playing against and a lot of different things that are, you know, <laughs> as with everything else these days, it's just very, very difficult to project out a whole hell of a lot, you know? Yeah, and I don't recall when Booker committed last year, but I feel like it was later in the summer. It was. Um, Michigan State didn't get any, Michigan State didn't get any commitments. They had Jeremy Fears, obviously, way early, but they didn't have any commitments until I want to say Xavier was July, maybe. Yeah, because because I think it was it was late. It was maybe August when then you had the two yep. other two dominoes of Carr and, and Norman to come down. Uh, you know, so I guess the other thing is when you look at Booker's recruitment, yeah. and I think this is some. Uh, it was it was a little bit delayed, but his assessment, at least before the summer AU, was much different than it was you know before it started. And so I know right now I know I've seen you mean where he was well, rated, where he's rated yes, exactly, absolutely. and so that yeah, so absolutely his evaluation true. is like oh he's like a top fifty guy, right, and then right. by the time like summer's over, like oh this guy's like top ten or top yeah. five, and I'm I know that people are a little concerned always. Oh, you know, only top hundred, which is funny. Morons are concerned. Let's call it what it is. Morons are concerned. Anyway. It, yeah, it's, it is the, uh, it is the, uh, the curse of the, uh, blessed with plenty, right? Like here. Oh man. I want to address that. If you're bitching about Michigan state, getting a consensus top 100 guy, (laughs) jump in a lake. (laughs) We have all kinds of beautiful lakes in the state of yeah. Michigan. Take advantage. Uh, <laughs> Jump in a lake. Don't come back up. Anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, I guess the question is, and I guess you don't really know until you watch him play and how he plays this summer and sort of how he, it, how he moves. The assumption would be that the coaching staff expects him to, to develop even more over the next year. And so I don't know if, did people see Booker in the spring? become what he was at the end of the summer, you know, as far as evaluation. And yeah, that's where it progressed. started. It pretty much with Booker, it, the reevaluation of Booker and, and his was more of a roller coaster ride because he'd had, I don't know about rankings, but he certainly had a lot of elite level programs interested in him early. And then he had mm-hmm. kind of a rough junior year in his high school play at times where um, a lot of that interest, he talked about this, a lot of those schools sort of peeled off, but Michigan State stayed interested. And so then when, yeah. when he hit the spring, basically right where we are now, but last year, uh, he just started dominating in some of these AAU events that he played in. And that caused two things happened. One, just his play and his potential, maybe that's the better word Mm -hmm. caused people to reevaluate. But part of that also is the 2023 class is not considered to be a great one in terms of, you know, depth or even superstar talent level at the high end. So that's why you started seeing, you know, it's very unusual that a guy like Booker, who a lot of the basketball community thinks will not be an immediately dominating player in college, how a guy like that would ever be top 10 or in some, at some points was number one by certain services. Mm -hmm. Well, part of that is this class just lacks superstars. You know, there's very good players. And I think all the guys Michigan state signed, I'm really excited to see. Uh, And there will be lots of other good players around the country, but it doesn't have those guys at the top that you're used to seeing, you know, even people talk about, you know, people like DJ Wagner, DJ Wagner, DJ Wagner got beaten out by Jeremy fears for the starting point guard slot on team USA last year. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make DJ Wagner into a superstar, what's Jeremy fears, you know, that's, (laughs) but that's kind of my point is that it lacks those obvious guys. So that's why a guy like, like book could get into that kind of discussion, but yeah, it really started to take off for him in the spring. And so I, I, I assume where you were going with this is, well, might the same potential exist right, for exactly. McCullough. And I don't expect, I would never say somebody ranked in the nineties has a great chance 
to become a top 10 guy or a McDonald's All-American, but there's certainly reason to think that McCullough will have opportunity to rise up the rankings. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, he's a guy that a program like Michigan State prioritized. And just as we see this in football, sometimes people complain about, you know, the bump a kid gets yeah. in the rankings when Michigan right. lands them, right? Well, right, right, there right. is such a thing at times with Michigan State and basketball. It does happen. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, also because the player is just shown a lot more. Uh, but for example, I ESPN released their final 2023 rankings. Cohen Carr was ranked 24th. Oh, he was like 80th. That's the high, right. Kind of like and, and look, yeah. he's shown a lot. So I think that's yeah. merited. Frankly, when I watched a McDonald's all American game, um, uh, I didn't see anybody in that game who does the things Cohen Carr does physically, (laughs) you know, but, um, but anyway, it goes to show you, it can happen. Uh, Jesse McCullough has a chance one, because again, this 2024 class is not considered to be a great one by historical standards. So there may be more of an opportunity uh, with a lot more uncertainty than you'd usually see. But the other thing is, and, and a Michigan State bump, too. But the other thing is, um, you know, he's playing for a very high-profile program. As I mentioned, you play for Spee Cindy Heat, uh, people will see those games. You are not – and that, that's yeah. the amazing thing about Xavier Booker is that he did it not playing on the EYBL circuit or the Adidas circuit. He was playing on the New York to L.A., which is the grassroots circuit that, um, you know, doesn't tend to get the kind of attention from scouts, from, uh, from the national guys who cover recruiting that the shoe circuits mm-hmm. do. Uh, but Jesse McCullough is not going to have any problem being seen. He will be seen. He's playing for a high profile team and, and a good team. And so you never know for sure, especially with bigger guys, it's such a guard dominant. Every element of basketball is, is, hit guards are really important, but in AAU, it's really critical because if you've got guards that are really interested primarily in showing what they can do individually, it can be very hard for bigs to get enough touches. So it remains to be seen how that'll work out. But I, I know the two 2025 guys he's playing with, particularly Harrelson are viewed extremely, uh, they are, they are serious prospects, you know? And so yeah. um, he'll have opportunities to move up. Wouldn't be surprising to see him move up. But even if he doesn't, man, I can check off. You want to know where Denzel Valentine was ranked when he came out of high school? You want to know where Xavier Tillman was ranked when he came out of high school? I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> Are you saying rankings don't portend to success? And they may- Well, that they're not. Basically, if you're a top 100 kid, period you have potential to be a very good player. And if Michigan state zeroes in on you and accepts a commitment from you this early in the process, what that tells you is that for whatever it's worth, they think that that player, because look, they don't need to take a commitment. You know, they could say, ah, we're not ready. They took the commitment. So they obviously believe Jesse McCullough is a real deal. You look at his offer list and his final four came down to MSU, Alabama, Xavier, and Virginia tech, but he had offers from Michigan, Ohio state. This kid has the offer list of a guy that has the potential to be a high level, big 10 player at some point, you know, there's, there's no doubt about that, whether he becomes that or not, you know, I mean, Marcus Bingham was ranked you know, in the sixties, I think by the time, uh, by the time he committed to MSU in, in, um, the summer of 2017, uh, you know, did, how long did it take him to become a reliable big 10 level player basically until his senior year? So you never can tell, but I do think a guy for what it's worth, I think a kid like McCullough seems further along in that development process probably doesn't have the upside that someone like Bingham had because Bingham was seven feet tall, seven, four wingspan, maybe a little bit better athlete. 
So there were reasons why Marcus Bainham had that was perceived to have maybe a higher ceiling, but I would expect Jesse McCullough is a better chance to help earlier. He seems a little bit further down that developmental curve. Sure. Yeah. And it's easy to forget, you know, there, I mean, how many power five schools are there? And they're what 60, I'm guessing maybe more 70. And so, you know, your top hundred, <laughs> you know, if assuming all those teams take one, I mean, that still uses up almost, almost the, uh, you know, a lot of the top hundred, right? Michigan state this year. Uh, and I got to think this through, um, other than Tyson Walker, I'm thinking of their scholarship players who are, who were Ty, not uh, top one Tyson Walker yeah, and Carson right. Cooper. That should be it. Everybody else was top 100. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. normal, you know? And so that means that doesn't mean that it's a lock. There've been a lot of top 100 guys, Michigan state's gotten over the years that didn't end up becoming impact guys. But basically sure. the way you should assess it is if you're viewed at that level, that player has a legitimate chance to be a really good collegiate player. That's how you should view right. it. Like it's, yeah. it's not definitive proof it's going to happen, but it suggests that the, that the potential is there. All right. Well, we're going to step away for just a moment before we continue the discussion and talk a little bit how this affects the rest of the 2024 uh, recruitment process. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Just a reminder, if you've not yet visited Nudge Printing, it is an excellent place to get Spartan gear run by MSU alums. They actually take care of all of our merchandise. So if you want to buy a logoed hoodie or t-shirt for the Final Fours on the Schedule, you can go to our website at thefinalfoursontheschedule.com slash merchandise. There you can have ability to buy the t-shirt or the hoodie. It takes you right to the Nudge Printing. You can get 20% off by typing in Final Four at, the, at checkout. Uh, all the proceeds for those shirts go towards us. Everything else goes to Nudge Printing. And so I'd encourage you to check out their stuff. It's fantastic, high quality apparel. Uh, they've got decals. They've got, I think Rod got a bunch of big giant wall stickers and stuff that you can put in your man cave or your Spartan room or whatever it might be. Uh, you can't go wrong with nudge printing. Again, I, I've got all their stuff and it's super. And they, they were instrumental in helping along with the shooting victims with the Spartan Strong project, printing tens of thousands of shirts and over $150,000 went towards the fund. Also, if you're dealing with water, we we're talking about jumping in a lake. <laughs> if you want to just, if you want to take care of the gutters in your uh, house, make sure you head on over to the brothers that just do gutters in the west side of the state. Grand Rapids area, Kurt Stauffer and his team will take care of things. They can replace, clean, or uh, repair any problems you have with your gutters. They can check things out. You can get 10% off by saying Final Four. You can email him at kurtdoubtstauffer. That's K-U-R-T dot S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. They just do gutters. They specialize only in that. It's just something you can easily overlook, but it's someone you want to make sure they know what they're doing. Professional crew work quickly any time of the year. They took care of my gutters in February when it was even raining and kind of like a 
typical Michigan February weather. So you won't go wrong by going uh, with brothers at just two gutters with Kurt Stauffer and his team. Uh, you know, one of the things going back to the discussion here, talking about, you know, when it comes to looking at the, I guess before we even go to 2024 lineup, just looking at where McCullough fits into this team, you know, we're talking about 2024. So at that point, Malik Hall is definitely gone. So he's, and I presume he's playing the four this year. And so at the four spot, you've got maybe one of the current centers, like you've got a Kohler or a Cooper uh, potentially playing there, Carr and Booker, right? And I'm assuming as much as we can assume any of the future as possible, right? So McCullough probably slots into that spot there. And so he's not going to be expected to do a lot right from the start, but he, there should be opportunity for him to make it onto the court and have meaningful minutes if he's, you know, shows that he can you know, do the things that you need to do, rebound and defense, uh, namely start. You're asking, does he have that potential? I mean, that's, do you see that as sort of, that's his, that's where he, you vision him. I mean, he's playing the four probably. Yeah. Cause the five is going to still be pretty crowded, yeah. but there's still a potential for making it on the floor. It's not like he's going to be sitting on the bench all the time. It, it, it so much is unknown in terms of, well, who's back is Booker back for a yeah, second well, season. Right. Um, you know, where does, do they add, do they add somebody else? I can tell you, they're still recruiting bigger players. I mean, it was just this morning. There was a note from one of the guys who covers recruiting that uh, Michigan State is going to be in this weekend because this this weekend is the kickoff of uh, AAU season. They're going to be in mm-hmm. to see uh, Tyler McKinley, who is an Ohio another Ohio kid, um, along with Ohio State, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Xavier, and you know he's like six nine ish, definitely more yep. of a four than a five, but. You know, so there's still, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I said this in our recruiting, our last recruiting episode, this weekend is where you're going to start and it's not finished by any means, but this is where you're going to start to see who else is Michigan state prioritizing. So right now you've got a pure scoring wing in Tang and you've got McCulloch, who's I think primarily a stretch four type maybe could play small ball five at some point, you know, that that's the potential. So those are the two pieces you've got in this class. Who else do they add? You know, I think that's going to be, we start to find out the beginning of the answers to that question this weekend. When you look at who they're viewing, who they're going to spend time on. Now, interestingly, I've seen, you know, several indications of 2025s that they're going to be viewing this weekend. So guys, like I mentioned, Sizely and Harrelson, well, they play with McCullough. So that's no surprise that Michigan state would be watching them, but there's a kid from uh, Northern Kentucky, the Cincinnati area, EJ Walker, who's a six, eight perimeter guy who I haven't seen Michigan state mentioned with um, in a while. They were, last fall and then it kind of went he took a visit unofficial, and then it kind of went quiet well apparently they the claim is they're going to be out to see him this weekend so there's him there's a patterson kid from ohio he's a six five combo guard type in the 2025 class an elite recruit he's another one that they're they're on top of so it's it's all speculative Right now, we know the guys that they've offered. We know the guys that they've been mentioned with, but the rubber starts to hit the road this weekend because then you can start saying, okay, they had coaches at this guy's game. That's where you start to get a really good indication of how serious they are. And the great thing is because they've already got two guys in this class, they don't, they're not in scramble mode. I can tell you that. Um, Sure. You know, I would assume that they're probably looking at a four-man class again. I don't think you you necessarily want to go bigger than that. I mean, Izzo talked in that Seth Davis piece today about how, you know, he emphasized things that we've heard him say. They're not, they shouldn't be news to any Michigan State fan that he plans on continuing to develop his program. The backbone of it is going to be high school recruiting. And he talked about how some coaches seem to be shying away from that now and he has no plans to and and by the way there are valid reasons why i don't think a coach is insane 
for looking at it that way. We've mentioned this before. If you look at last year's top 100 high school players, top 100 recruits, and see how many of them made major impacts, I mean, you know, double-digit scoring, that kind of thing, with their college program, it was relatively few. Yeah. Whereas transfers, it was a much, much higher number. So I get that. The problem is that's not where the analysis can really stop because all that tells you is the individual counting stats that were compiled by a player. They don't tell you anything about your team, the value of continuity and having guys together year after year after year. They don't tell you about team chemistry. They don't tell you about how different pieces fit. And yeah, you might have a top 100 freshman you know, Michigan State, if you look at Michigan State's class, they had two top 100 freshmen last year, Jackson Kohler, Trey Holloman. Neither one of them came close to averaging double digits. I'm not sure that Trey yeah. ever scored double digits in a game. Jackson think Jackson so, no. did, but not a lot. But those guys, you know, you could ever predict, might they transfer next week? Yeah, they might. But if we assume that Tom Mizzo was able to continue keeping guys around for multi-year development. I think anybody writing off the possibility of those guys or Carson Cooper, who wasn't even ranked in the top 100 to be major contributors at some point at Michigan state would be crazy to say that that can't happen, you know? And so it's just a very different way of approaching this stuff. But I, I do think Michigan state now with two guys committed is, is operating once again, from a position of strength, because not mm-hmm. only does it mean they can be more selective and focus in more on guys they really want in the 24 class, but they're also really able to focus on 25 and maybe even 26 in a way that you yeah. wouldn't be otherwise, you know? And, and again, that's, that, that's true for Michigan state because Izzo wants to continue to build through high school classes. I mean, other coaches could say, hey, we don't need to get anybody from the high school class. You know, we're yeah, going to fill our true. team up you with don't. portal with the portal. And a lot of them will, um, you know, but uh, is this going about it a different way? And, you know, we're going to we're going to see how it works as this year and successive seasons uh, unfold. But I, I'm pretty confident that he's getting he's got the picture that he wants right now for his program. And if, if that guy's happy with the way things are going, you have to feel pretty good as a Michigan state fan. Yeah. I mean, obviously, right. I mean, it's an understatement. Yeah. The, of years to say, you know, if you can trust that his, his evaluation talent and how he's constructing his roster, some dopes need that set over and over and over. Anybody (laughs) complaining about Jesse McCullough (laughs) being ranked 91, and oh, this guy goodness is barely a top 100. How many times do you have to be beaten over the head with the mallet of truth to figure out that that's a that's a moronic way to look at this stuff? I, I don't know, but some people just it's like people who you know continue to have to beat their head against a wall. They keep needing to get smacked. Some people just like to complain. We all know those people. We we live. We love amongst them. We work with them and they just, you know, they just kind of drag you down. Uh, you know, in looking at the 2024, when we had the previous discussion after, with the Kurtang commitment. You know, we're looking at the targets and people who are in the same sort of ballpark. You already mentioned Tyler McKinley and the fact that maybe a little surprisingly, they're still looking at him. You kind of wondered what would happen with McCullough if that they would sort of move to a different position sort of, you know. But Anga, as you mentioned also previously, 6'10" clearly a center. He's not a guy. He's going to not a stretch for. So he is someone you still would, and he's a top, what top five recruit. So he's definitely someone you would, you would look to try and bring oh, in. Badinga. Badinga. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But I, yeah. again, I'm going to be interested to see is, is Michigan state out there this weekend. I presume, you know, what's interesting about, and I think I talked about this on our last recruiting episode in years past, Michigan State would occasionally make appearances at the Adidas events or Under Armour events because mm-hmm. they've had guys who played for those teams, but far less common than EYBL. And it that happened for a couple reasons. One is the Nike circuit 
always has the largest number of high level players. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, Michigan state is a Nike school. And while I certainly don't have any reason to believe that Nike was funneling kids to Michigan state, because I don't think that's the case. I do think that sometimes it can work the other way. And if you're a Nike school, you know that if a kid is playing for an Adidas AAU program, especially the way things happened, you know, prior to the, uh, the FBI staying, um, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. would know that, you know, your odds might not be very good that you'd be able to land such a kid, you know, and, and, but Michigan state is in on in the 24 and 25 class. A lot of guys who play for AAU programs uh, Adidas AAU programs, I should say, including Curtain, plays for Massachusetts Rivals. Mm-hmm. They're in a, they're an Adidas program, so I think it's very likely Michigan State will be out there. Uh, Flory Bedinga plays for uh, Indiana Elite, which is the flagship Adidas program in Indiana for um, for AAU, and I would expect that they would be watching him. But it will tell us something about how they feel if um, if we were to not see them watching him. Again, I'd be kind of surprised by that. But, um, you know, right now, the indications are that Indiana would, would probably be your betting favorite. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's taken an official to Michigan State in the fall. Um, I'd be surprised to not see Michigan State in there, at least at this stage. And we'll see what happens. But but truthfully, he's the only pure, true five man that they've offered thus far. That could change. And then the other the other name we talked about before is Adrian Sherrell from yeah. the 610 uh, guy from Detroit. Looks like he's probably end up in Alabama, top 30 guy. Well, so does, does McCullough, you know, affect that or I would have not, I would think? have thought so. But the one the fact that they're already indicated they're going to see McKinley. Now McKinley's a little different than these other guys in that it's maybe easier to see possibilities for him to play a big wing as well, which might explain why they're still um, looking to focus on him. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting to me to see if they're showing up at Sherelle's games. Now they might anyway, because Sherelle is a U teammates, I believe with Jace Richardson. Um, they both play, I'm pretty sure they both play for Vegas elite, which is a Nike EYBL team. Um, so again, it'll be interesting to see, uh, the thing that's interesting about Sherelle and Alabama is, you know, Alabama's lost all three of their assistant coaches. They all got hired. I didn't for head coaching jobs. So it's an entirely new staff for Nate Oates. What kind of disruption might there be as a result of that? Who knows? But um, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, Sherelle's a guy that I I could actually see being um, more of a five man, maybe even than McCullough. But I don't know if he wants to be that. So who knows? But yeah, uh, very interesting whether we'll see Michigan State showing up at his games. And it's so tricky too at this point. I mean, for one thing to put this all out obvious the obvious thing is that this, these are commitments these are not actually they haven't signed, signed letters of intent. intent right so they can change and reopen the recruitment etc and as we've seen this year even if you have a letter of intent you can get asked to get released from it for various reasons and so we've seen that from a number of high profile programs i don't like i gotta Duke say and, i would particularly for next year i would be kind of surprised to see that issue be a big one for michigan state and, and honestly for as much talk as we gave it, maybe there are some that have slipped under my radar, but the last I knew, I think there have been three instances of that, at least with, you know, like top 100 kids where they asked sure. to get out. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like this isn't football. This isn't this, you know, flipping at the last minute. <laughs> we, right. You see it in basketball, but, but you don't see it with anywhere near the frequency that you see it in football. So we should be careful not to make it too big of a deal. I just, I look at Michigan state, you know, next year and it's, it's hard to know for sure, but the fact of the matter is the only two guys that would even be eligible to take a COVID year would be Hogard and Sissoko. So 
for a kid like Kurt Tang or a kid like Jesse McCullough, I don't think either of those would probably have much of an impact. You know, it might theoretically on someone else that's yet to be committed, but you know, we or someone already on the team or yeah, someone already right. on the team, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah. there's plenty of time for all that to get worked out. I just, I don't <laughs> think I I'd, I'd be kind of surprised to see Michigan state suffer a rash of that kind of stuff, but I guess you never know. No, you don't. And, and certainly you're more likely to, I feel like you're more likely to see that with, uh, you know, early than later. Like I don't expect a lot of departures from the team unless someone is obviously like on the outs, like a Pierre Brooks, for instance, he clearly wasn't going to get any playing time. And so you wouldn't see anyone leave, you know, right away. I don't think, you know, look, it's a weird, it's a weird period. We're going through as we all, you know, meaning fans, coaches, players, everybody tries to adjust right. to this new era. So I'm certainly not one that thinks, well, Tom Izzo's just immune from this. I mean, it could happen, oh, to no. him, but you know, I, I do think regardless of when and if it happens, um, he's a guy who is going to put Michigan state in the best realistic position to minimize that kind of stuff happening that I'm confident in saying. Yeah. And, you know, in some respects, the way that Michigan state's running their program now in, which is in contrast to a lot of teams, the fact that you talk about high school recruitment, I mean, that takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of time. It's obviously much easier getting portal players. Um, And so, you know, uh, Michigan state has the resources that some other programs may not have, but it certainly allows you the opportunity to, develop a program where you're not going to have as many holes. Like, you know, it, it gives you, it's, it's certainly an advantage, right? Like you've in many ways, you're now what, you know, there are less fish swimming that, that sea that are going after this high school recruits probably. Right. And so it's probably a little bit easier for you to get better players. That's what Izzo said. That's what Izzo said in, in his, um, in, in that article today with Seth Davis, I'm not sure yet that I see quite the evidence of that, but I, he would know better than I would. That's for sure. Um, it's again, with yeah, understatement, well, right. what would be really interesting. And I'm really, uh, it, it's unfortunate. I've been looking at the schedules and I really want to get out to one of the Nike stops again this year, which I, listeners know I've, I've done in the past. I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not, but that it would be fascinating to see because so traditionally those things are basically glorified coaching conventions. Like when I've gone Mm -hmm. to the Indianapolis stop in the past, (laughs) it's name a high profile head coach. And in fact, I can tell you the last time I was there was the spring just before Thad Mata quit, got fired, whatever Ohio state wants to call it later that summer, Thad Mata really was notable for not being there because of his health. But um, everybody else, you name them, they were there. And it would be fascinating to see, is that still the case? You know, Um, for example, Izzo mentioned he didn't go to the final four this year. That's another one of these events that's well known as essentially a coaching convention, you know, Mm -hmm. but he didn't go. And I don't think he was alone in that because he said he felt like he needed to be in East Lansing. And some, yeah. and that was just basically not because he was going to be necessarily recruiting guys in the portal, but he felt he needed to be around town to make sure that he was able to retain his own guys. Yeah. Retention. You know? yeah. yeah. Versus recruiting. And yeah. so that's right. another reason why do, do coaches still go to these, these shoe company events with the same fervor that they used to, it, it will be interesting to see how that plays out, but. You know, it is possible that MSU has a little more of an open playing field with some of these guys. I mean, honestly, if you're talking about a Flory Bedinga, that recruitment's going to be as crazy as it would have been at any <laughs> other point for a guy similarly sure, ranked. Yeah. The guys at the high end, it's, I don't think much is going to change. But, you know, if you're talking about a guy who's maybe back end of the top 100, you know, has potential, but maybe hasn't been fully realized yet. Is it as crazy? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, every, well, you, everything's a transition before. in the sport, you know? Yeah. 
you got you get an offer if you're a high school player. You better think twice about waiting and seeing what else you get because there may not be another offer coming. You know, in, in Jesse McCullough's case, that's that's a good example. I think of this. I'm not sure that's what motivated him, but um, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't wait. And and sometimes in the past, and again, I'm not saying anything about him. I'm just saying guys that were similarly ranked with you know, a lot of potential, maybe haven't been seen by everybody yet. He's got very good offers, but he doesn't have offers from everybody. You know, he doesn't have Duke, mm-hmm. Kentucky. He doesn't right. have all those programs. Kansas, yeah. Basically his recruitment is an upper Midwest recruitment. I mean, you know, Alabama was an exception, but NATO recruits a lot of guys as part of the country and Virginia tech was an outlier, but Xavier, Michigan state, Ohio State, Michigan. It had that flavor. Sometimes in yeah. the past, guys would hold off because they'd want to go through, at least go through the bulk of the AAU season to be seen, to try to get the ranking boosted. And part of that sometimes is a result of additional schools coming in and offering you. You know, it's it was mm-hmm. always this, right. this raise your profile. Yeah, yeah, it was this eco, this complicated ecosystem, but it the incentivization oftentimes seem to be in the weight category, right? Keep playing, yep. raise your profile, see what happens. Um, I don't know if that's a smart move anymore. I think if, if you find a place that wants you and you fit and you like it, you're probably well advised to take it because it, it's not like a kid like Jesse McCullough wouldn't have good options. He would. But if he waits too long, they might not be the preferred one. Right. You know? Yeah. He might end up your second or third choice, yeah. which may not have the same opportunity. That's very, sure. very possible. And the long again, the longer you wait, the more of an opportunity you give coaches to look at it and say, eh, you know what? This is this is gonna be a developmental deal. And maybe this kid, you know, there's risk this kid doesn't come along the way we think he might. I'm better off just holding my hold my keep my powder dry and waited till the spring and seeing what's in the portal and maybe i get somebody who's more ready made to help me next year you know and then timelines are part of it too because a coach could say well this is a player i like but i figure it's going to take at least two years for him to be good enough to get on the court regularly for us versus i go in the portal and get a guy who's ready to help me tomorrow or you could go and get someone who's a sophomore right now, and you're gonna you're getting two or two or three years out of that player, and now that player that's you know going to be next year, well, you don't have a, you don't have room for yep. them anymore. That right? too, I mean, the same that thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just it's very complicated, and very little of it seems to cut in favor of high school players outside of the elite category, where anybody sure. would take them. You know, right? Well, you know, looking at the team, I mean. We're a long ways from May 11th. I mean, it's not that far, but it is a long ways. Like all kinds of things can happen. People can still enter the portal from here. Although there's no reason for us to believe that that's going to happen at this point. Uh, but, and that some people could still look at the draft. I'm going to, okay, di- go I'm going to differ on that a little bit. Only for Michigan because, State? Only, yeah. Only because of the finality of the words, no reason. Um, oh, right. I have heard things for sure. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, and I've heard them from people who know what's up generally, you know, on the other hand, um, nothing's happened. There doesn't seem to be any obvious indication or word circulating that anything is imminent, which oftentimes though, not always there is, if something's going to happen, you know, um, so right now, as we sit here on April 20th, all clear, but I'm not counting it as done. <laughs> I'll get back to you and we will talk about Michigan state in a, in a solidified manner when May 11th comes and goes. And that's assuming that nobody decides to enter the draft to get a value. Right. That's the other thing too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, the only point I was going to make, and actually is not even about that with that sort of semi-ominous <laughs> statement where at least uh, not as assur- reassuring as you know you'd hope it'd be i, I don't want to be uh, ominous and look I I, yeah have, i know i don't want to be i i don't mean to give that impression that you, that have, you think there's something's going to happen just but to just, just correct that there's though. no certainty right just to yeah right just to, just to be clear 
Um, just because there are things out there does not mean that they happen. It just right. means that you hear things. You say, well, okay, that suggests that maybe there's a possibility um, that the roster might look different than it does. I mean, I can tell you right now, we'll see whether it's valid or not, but I see some of these people that cover Michigan that are saying <laughs> it's not even clear that the team they have today on paper is going to be the team they have in November, by which they mean it's not clear that the portal guys who have committed there will actually be there. Yeah. It's, in the fall. It's, so that was what two days ago that we put that show and it still seems to have changed a ton since then. Yeah. So you just, you just can't know. Do I feel good about where Michigan state's at on balance? Yes, I do. Do I think that if I, if I had a gun to my head from everything I've heard, would I think that the roster we think they're going to have is the one they'll have? Yeah. Gun to my head. I'd probably say yes, but that doesn't mean a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, my only point was that looking at the roster right now and the way it's constructed, again, assuming everything stays the same, I don't feel like this team has a lot of holes going from year to year for a couple of years, you know, where you feel like, oh, there's a glaring problem. Like, I think, you know, clearly this year there was a problem at the five, which was, you know, largely okay. But, uh, and there was before that, there was a point guard problem. I feel like a lot of the, and, or, you know, maybe some years had maybe a little thin at the wings. I feel like there's not really any obvious glaring problems going forward again wow. assuming everyone sort of progresses as you'd expect then and so the team seems to be set up pretty well from a roster standpoint i think for a couple of years i'm not sure that i can go there because i don't know what that <laughs> roster is going to look like next year well no i do i right i totally yes, Cheer, yes. That, all the caveats all the season, asterisks you need this coming season yeah absolutely but after that I, who's who's around I mean, yeah. Okay, no, Jaden yeah. Akins theoretically could be around for a senior year. I don't expect him I to assume be. He's gone. Yeah, I assume he's gone, and Malik Hall and and well, Walker, Malik Hall and Tyson gone. Walker are gone for sure. Right. Um, those you those you assume, and then Hogar Hogard could Hogarth, come back, knows? but yeah. maybe not. And then if he did come back, does that mean you know somebody like Jeremy Fierce say I'm not waiting another year to have the keys? Hand. I mean, it's just too look. Oh, yeah. What Michigan said, the furthest I'm prepared to go is Michigan State seems to be getting guys who fit their profile of what they want and who look like they have potential to be very productive players. That's as much as you can say. Yeah, I think so. Well, and, I, and I guess I would, the only thing I'd add to that is that, you know, when you look at it compared to, say, Michigan, which seems to have creators everywhere throughout their roster and just like a lot of well, chaos. Got, but that's I the thing. They've got I craters, just don't feel like they got craters this year, which is all you can really yeah, look at. Beyond that, right? But it's a, yeah, it's a mess. Who the hell knows? But they've had craters, right? This is yeah, not the first time right. this, this has happened. They they seem like a lot a much shakier foundation okay. program from a roster construction right. in Michigan state. That, and, that and I Illinois agree another with example of that. And yeah. that I okay. agree with, and there's a good reason why, which maybe is, you know, maybe I was, I was fighting you on this and I, and I shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, if, if the point is that I put it, I'd put it this way. Once you get on the portal path, it's hard to get off. Yeah, you're a junkie. And the well, yeah, but the reason for it is a very simple one. If you're bringing in, particularly if you're bringing in grad transfers or a transfer where you know it's pretty likely that whatever their eligibility is, they're going to do one year and then they're going pro. You know, like mm -hmm. say a Terrence yeah. Shannon scenario. Um, sure. Well, then you got to replace them the next year, yep. you know? And if you've got a lot of those guys, say you've got like Illinois had this year where you got a slew of them, um, I, you can't, nobody, not even Tom Izzo is going to bring in a six or a seven man freshman class. So right. absolutely, it means you have no choice, but to go back into the, into the portal to replace the portal guys you had. And then the cycle keeps repeating. And that's what I mean by once you go down that path of heavy portal, I like, like I said, I think in our last episode about recruiting, 
I'm going to be really interested to see, or maybe it was our big 10 stuff. I'm going to be really interested to see Kansas state, what that team looks yeah. like, because that was an extreme situation. You know, you know, another one that's really extreme in the big 10 or is going to be, and I saw they signed a kid from temple today, Penn state, out of necessity, yeah, the one Penn state's going to yeah. be absolutely loaded with portal guys. Now, the one thing you can do now, which you didn't used to be able to do is if you get portal guys who are say sophomores right, or juniors, exactly. well, they can be like Tyson Walker, Joey Hauser was the reason Michigan state's not on that path is the transfers they did take were multi-year guys. They weren't one and done, you know? So if you can do it that way, then you got a chance to maybe alleviate some of these concerns. But yeah, if that's your point that Michigan state is on a more solid footing to retain some type of continuity, absolutely. And, you know, and Tom Izzo has very clearly said that is what he wants to do. He wants to continue having the same kind of program he's always had, which is he brings in young guys who are able to be mentored by the older guys on the roster. And then the pattern repeats. Those young yeah. guys become the older guys who mentor the next group of young guys. You know, he wants that kind of continuity when you've got, you know, seven, eight new guys coming in every year. It's really hard to do that. Really hard. Yeah. I can't even imagine Tom Izzo being successful doing that. Like even the way he coaches and, and constructs a team, but I just can't even see how he could pull it off. Look <laughs> at it. Look at it this way. If you look at, the guys who have been transfers at Michigan state, and I'm not even talking just the modern era. I'm talking, you know, long-term um, Mike Chappelle was the first one and he, well, no, let me go back Dewan Wiley, who was a Juco transfer and was in the first class he had. Dewan Wiley didn't really start to figure it out and to become an impact guy until the back half of his second year at Michigan state. And I've heard Izzo say he hates the idea that he only got to coach Dewan Wiley for two years, because basically it took a year and a half for him to get it. And then once he did, yeah. it was over. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Mike Chappelle never quite made good on his potential. He was an elite recruit, started his career at Duke came to Michigan state after that, you know, but was a, an important part of two very good teams, but never became a star. But then I think about a guy like Bryn Forbes, pretty good. His first year at Michigan state, he was a, he was a guy who played regularly, definitely had an important role in the team, but he was way beyond that. His second year, he was yeah. great. Right. So it took him mm -hmm. a year to acclimate. Um, Joey Hauser really took him two years to acclimate. Uh, Tyson Walker took him a year, you know, so we see this pattern. I think that it's not, you're not wrong at all to suggest that this one and done, whether it's freshmen or transfers, either way, guys coming in for a year and then they're gone. That is not a pattern. It's not an approach where Izzo's likely to be hugely successful. We don't have a lot of evidence that that's going to be a winning formula for him, you know? Right. So I think it's, and, and I would suspect that if, and when he has to go into the portal, I would be, I would not be surprised to see them try to continue that process where they might take somebody in, but they're going to take somebody in. Who's got at least a couple of years of eligibility left. Yeah, I think so. Because they're going to figure, you know what? Year one, yeah, they, they hopefully they're going to be able to help us, but they're not really going to hit their stride until year two. Yeah, you can imagine the only ones that are going to do that is someone they really know well that they recruited potentially. Right. But even then, it's still you still have to learn a whole new system. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, if you have not yet supported the show and you think, boy, I feel kind of guilty. I'm listening to the show. You guys putting all this content out all the time. I learned more about Michigan State. I wonder if there's a way I could help. Well, you can go to our support page at tffinots.com slash support. There you can find ways to one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo. It's a way to assuage your guilt so you don't feel 
like you're just listening and not giving anything contributing to the community. So uh, you can do one-time gifts via PayPal and Venmo, like I said, or you can do a monthly donation through Patreon. We have various levels to donate that give you various benefits. If you want to become a sponsor of the show and advertise, we have that, those opportunities as well. You can just get a hold of me at eric at tffinots.com and we can discuss whatever it is you're interested in. Uh, and then I guess the final reminder for other sponsors of the show, Nudge Printing. Go to nudgeprinting.com, 20% off purchase uh, by entering Final Four as one word into the coupon code. And then also the brothers at Just Two Gutters on the west side of the state, Grand Rapids, Holland, Saugatuck, Rockford, Lowell area. Uh, you contact Kurt and his team and get 10% off your gutter work just by mentioning Final Four. All right. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green. <music> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.